Today on Talking Baseball, we've each got a topic that we want to discuss. Jake and I got some questions for Trev. Let's do it. Hello and welcome to Talking Baseball. Thank you very much for joining us today. We are presented by DraftKings as always. My name is Jimmy. Sitting next to me is Jake. He's got a gray I Love Baseball shirt on. BBD in the corner of the room with his John Boy Media windbreaker. And Trev in California. Sweatshirt with the laces tied. Someone commented that, Trev, on YouTube. They said they like how you tie the the strings of the hood tight they've never seen anyone else wear it in that style when did you start doing this i'll be honest i stole it from somebody i stole it from francisco lindor wow Wow. i did he used to wear it like that on the fields and i thought hey it's pretty cool so and then i think i saw dookie who's it's carson tucker do it and then whatever he does is obviously cool so i just follow that okay look at you getting credit you know, sometimes all you got to do is be in the know. Jake, yeah, I don't how- want to take credit for it. Jake, how are you doing? I'm good. I'm good, man. I mean, I'm I'm excited to chat today. Me and Trev have been bickering about my topic a little bit the past couple days, so excited to flush all of that out. Uh, Dookie Tucker wearing the hoodie tied and, and not even knowing that's not how a lot of people wear it is obvious. I mean, that's just, it's what comes natural in that family. It's the best. Um, and Jim, you got your talking baseball hoodie with the Taurus hat, and tomorrow you'll be wearing something a little different. Savannah Banana. Savannah. Trev, you know we're going to Savannah tomorrow? Tomorrow. I we, do know that. Bags are packed. We're on our way, leaving on a jet plane to Savannah. Roosevelt's is sending us there. Our dear friends at Roosevelt's are sending us to Savannah. We're covering the Savannah Bananas baseball. Uh, They're doing, like, exhibition games to get some of these minor leaguers paid. A little more time getting paid playing baseball since so many minor league teams got cut. They play weird-ass rules, so we're excited to, like, watch that and make a video and take it in. Like, real weird rules, Trev. I don't know if we've told you about those at all yet. Like, if a fan catches... No, we're not playing. Mm. We may. We got free reign. Do whatever we want. If a fan catches a foul ball, it's an out. Yeah. <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah. yeah. And, like, that's that's the easiest rule to explain because the other ones are so crazy. We're going to make a video on it and, and and witness it and talk about it. But, yeah, we are uh, going to Savannah with Roosevelt's is sending us there. If you listen to the show before, you know that us and Roosevelt's have worked together a lot in the past. You can go to roosevelt's.com slash johnboy. And uh, use code JOHNBOY for 20% off a ton of Roosevelt's. Uh, wink, wink, hint, hint. Mm. We ha- we are making like an announcement for Roosevelt's tomorrow because there's some Roosevelt's fans that are crazy Roosevelt's fans. So eyes peeled, Roosevelt's I don't fans. even know what announcement it is. So yeah, I can't wait. I just found out like an hour ago in our meeting, in our prep meeting. So huge. Excited. Jake, if you don't have like skin knees and like bloody elbows from chasing foul balls, I'm gonna be very like upset. I need the effort. Trev, I'm show, bro. I'm on the field, man. I'm like you going uh, I'm gonna be everywhere. Will you be? I'm gonna be everywhere, Trev. Coaching, playing. I I could be in a banana suit. I don't know. He could be a, a first base coach. 
Yeah. No, they're fir- first well, you know coach. what? Their first base coaches are like professional dancers. So like at first I was like, maybe not. Then I was like, yeah, actually you could. <laughs> well, yeah. now that I've thought about it. <laughs> Jake did a ballet. When I was in uh, uh, Pee Wee. Fucking ballet. I was in a, co- I was in a ballet. Uh, when I was in uh, Little Kicker Soccer, I used to, I was, I was in goal. I was goalie and I used to dance. And now in hindsight, it's pretty weird because like all the moms would be like, yes, dance for us, boy. And that's. I don't like that. That's who you are. Yeah. You're everyone's, little, look, everyone's little monkey. I'm a puppet. Yeah. I'm your puppet. Okay. Okay. Not. Uh, BBD you did. about moms. You were Holy thinking about shit. moms? Is that what he said? We were talking about we were moms talking pre-show. about moms. Did I miss that? Trev hooks up. Trev's been hooking up with a mom a lot. Oh. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. It's his yeah. wife. But it's kind of my thing. He's like really into it. She wasn't a mom. She, you're out. <laughs> Nate Steele donating twenty bucks in the chat. Jeez, Nate. Jeez. Thanks, Nate Steele. Appreciate Big that. Thursday. Confidence, baby. All right. So uh, in these episodes, we've kind of been like thinking about how do we want to do these episodes before the season starts, before we get into series recaps and all that. And our, the best thing is like let's each bring one thing to the table that we want to discuss. I like it. So we each have a topic. And first, I got to tell you about our new, newest patron members. So here we go. Jimmy goes through the gauntlet of names. Let's see how I do. Mm. Pam Danish, Andrew Mellinger, James Stover, Chris Thomas, Zach Steubing, Matthew Pudons, mm. Courtney Maya, Nick Kaiser, Ryan McKenzie, Ian Almeida, Logan Armendariz. Ooh. Armendariz. <laughs> Sam Brown. Nailed it. Liam Oliver and Nick. That was the easiest crop we've had in a while. I think I think maybe maybe Patreon Sam rearranged the order for me. She did a little nice niceness. Poodons couldn't have been right. I don't have the list in front of me, but Poodons doesn't sound right, but <laughs> Well <laughs> Pudan. Pudans. P-U-D-A-N-S. Poodon. Poodon. That's Jake's favorite what pastime. What happened to you? <laughs> yeah. No, Jake came out of the womb covered in shit. Yes. <laughs> Big time. <laughs> All right, here we go. We have some notes BBD put on here. Marquegas retired. Uh, Michael Franco gets a deal with MLB. Is it Franco? Isn't his name like the, the one that you Mike would pronounce Kel. normal? I know it's like Michael. Michael Franco. It's Race. not Michael. I think it is. No, it's Michael. Oh. Uh, Ray send down Wander Franco. Two Francos making news. Look at that. Sonny Gray to start season on IL with back issue. That sucks. Didn't know that. Austin Nola, broken left middle finger. Mm. Flipping too many people off. Francona hints at Andres Jimenez being Cleveland shortstop. This was before they like officially did the Ahmed Rosario playing center field thing, and he had a very bad inning. So. Mm, okay. I think we've had some opening day starters like confirmed too. Giolito's getting the pill for the White Sox. Uh, Granky's the opening day starter for the Astros. Surprise, surprise. Gibby, our boy. Gibby, yep. So I talked to Gibby yesterday. Before we get mm. started, I, I got to give him a little shout out on talking baseball. So I think one of the things we do is we let people know who to root for, like the good guys. I like that. And Gibby's one of those. He's helped us out at the company. Anyways, yesterday, four innings pitch, six Ks. Shuddy, 
baseball from Gibby. He says he found a cutter. No. He says he found a cutter. Lance Lynn School of Fastballs, dude. Which is going to go into my topic later, but he said he found a cutter and his sinker sank in again. Mm. He feels really confident. Opening day starter. So go, you know, if there's anybody you want to root for that's a nice guy, it's Gibby. Gibby Um, season. All right, Gibby is a nice guy, and we like him a lot at John Boy Media. He likes us. He's very nice to us. But also, Glass now is a co-host on a podcast on our network. He debuted his new slider. Mm-hmm. Did you guys see that? Yeah. I mean, it's what Glass now has needed forever. I think last year, obviously, we were, I was pretty tough on him because I was like, dude, you need a third pitch. And now he threw 22 of these sliders. I don't know if you guys saw them. They were nasty. Yeah. And he located them pretty well. He said he didn't locate them afterwards, but he's lying. Like, he was down and in with the slider, and the results were crazy. Actually, he got our boy, Kotuk. He got his boy, Kotuk. I mean, they're, they're Oh, yeah, buddies. they're pals. <laughs> um, he got Polanco. He was cruising. Yeah, I mean, the, it'll be interesting to see where he lands between the slider and the curve. Um, you know, if he starts leaning one way or the other. You still, you'd hope it's a change-up or a split or something, because the curve and the slider, Trev, I mean, you, you tell me. You were in the box, but, I mean, those are... They're doing similar things that when when Tyler's in that tight spot or or whether you're you know facing righty lefty if you've got that change or something going away from them that that's an ideal third pitch but hey a third pitch is a third pitch. I no, okay. <laughs> I love you, but no, it's fine. That's that's the third pitch he needs. Righty's okay. just the change up splitter things are very rare. Right on right, most guys do the curveball slider, especially when you got like the twelve six type of curveball that he has i'll call it like a power power curve yeah and then you add the slider on top of that because the slider i haven't, I haven't seen it so i have to see it jake to okay. your defense i need to see the shape of it but if he's throwing it hard and it's coming out then that's more of like a tunnel with his fastball thing because the the what jim was alluding to him being a two-pitch guy it was the heater coming out straight and the curveball pops for him so you can see that out of his hand the curveball so has the slider now coming out of the same tunnel as the fastball. That's the difference. He has a twelve six curve. Yeah, the slider that he that the one that he used. I can put it up for us to see. Was definitely sweeping. Like it, the catcher has to move left to right, where the curveball is very it. vertical. So, I think if he can use both of these. I mean, this guy already had weapons with two pitches. Yes. any third pitch helps. He but, did. He did need a third pitch. Yeah. Um. He, he threw the change up link a couple me a, times. Link me something to the slider if you can. Just go to go, go to Twitter and type in Glass Now Slider, and the first thing that comes up is like a pitching ninja who's uh, who's someone you want to talk about later. Mm. Uh, and, he, and there's a Teaser. disgusting back foot 88-mile-per-hour slider that pitching ninja posted. Disgusting back foot 88-mile-per-hour slider. And then if you scroll down, you can see him getting oh, yeah. Polanco and yeah. getting Cole. It's It's... Really good shape of a slider. You like it, Trev? It's a great third pitch for him, yes. Yeah. It's exciting if you're a race fan. Not if you are not a race fan and going to play glass now a lot. Anyone else? Yeah. Good for him. All right. Uh, I don't know if there's anything else around the league. Jake, let's jump straight to... Your conversation you're bringing to the table today. I didn't know you guys had been bickering about this. Yeah. But I'm excited to hear both sides. So I've uh, I've been doing my list videos. The catchers just dropped. I just asked 
producer Zach for that, so I can post it on my own Twitter in a little bit, but it dropped on the YouTube. Uh, been doing the list, and we want to do it in our own silly way, so we went full weird science, and we also did the worst in a in a silly way, just, just poking fun at guys that aren't obviously going to take it to heart. But so going through these lists, I was trying to – I wanted to be fair, and obviously people are going to get mad. You're going to like your – Blank over the other team's blank Like you you become attached to these guys We're baseball fans The one position with insane depth And I, I put a couple tweets out there And then actually diving into these positions And seeing the depth on them And where you start getting to You know those 7th, 8th, ninth guys Or you know a, a lot of the positions Like you had 12 And it's how do you fit them in the top 10 You know you're going to miss one guy uh, at first base Or you're going to miss one guy here or there Guys, third base In this league right now I think it's the best it's ever been And I, I know Trev wants to discuss that a little bit And I, I had some comments on an old tweet about that But I think what needs to be appreciated First and foremost Because, you know, you can fight over those top six guys If you're a Chapman, Bregman, Machado, Ramirez, Rendon, Arenado guy I mean, pick your poison like, those guys are all lights out, you know, going to be in MVP races if they're healthy for a full season type of dudes. So, I mean, that's pick your flavor of ice cream. Now, you go to the second tier. You've got guys like Donaldson, Justin Turner. I mean, it, Eugenio Suarez, Devers, Gio Urshela, which me and Trev had a lot of discussions about. And then Chris Bryant, another guy with an MVP in the bag. And I'll even add... I think Yohan Moncada deserves to be in that next tier of guys for what he did in his last full season. These guys are special impact players that you see them on the right day. I've already named 13 guys, and I'll, I'll keep going. I'll get my full speech out, and we'll start to dissect it how we want. Let's go to the young bloods. Who's next? Your top prospects, dudes you're into. I'll start with a couple guys who are more established. How about Bo Bichette, or not Bichette, excuse me, Biggio. Biggio's sliding over to third this year. He's supposed to be there for the whole season. Simeon's supposed to be up the middle with Bo. Uh, I mean, Biggio's established. Like, he gets on base. He does a lot of other stuff. He's going to be locked into third this year. That's a really good young baseball player. Keep it on the East Coast. Alec Bohm, Carter Keboom. Austin Riley, those guys are going to be prove it. I mean, they're big prospects. Let's see what you've got for a full season, sure. And then Key Brian Hayes, hello. Uh, could he hit? He did that in bunches last year, and he's supposed to be as special as a fielder as those other guys. So now we're up to 18 guys that you're kind of you're excited about. I mean, I talked about the premier guys. That next tier is really good baseball players. These are young guys that if they're on your team, you're stoked. And then you keep going. How about guys that are just good baseball players? Like, no shots fired. You kind of know what you're going to get. Brian Anderson with the Marlins. He's good, man. It's in the middle of that lineup. Plays solid defense. He's a good ball player. J.D. Davis, man. 
That dude can hit. A little suspect with the glove, looking for a position, but, man, OPS is in the eights. Like, that dude can rake. Kyle Seeger, he's done it in Seattle for a decade now. Gold gloves, all-star appearance, lefty bat with power. If he played at Yankee Stadium, he'd probably have another 20 homers in his career. Guy's got, what, 300-plus in the bag? Who cares? Over it. Eduardo Escobar, I love watching that guy play. He's a five-tool light guy. He'll run on you. He'll hit with power. He'll hit with contact. To play defense. Love me some Eduardo Escobar. We're up to 23 guys out of 30 teams who are impact third basemen. Let's get to the platoon teams who aren't giving guys kind of full run. Tampa Bay, Joey Wendell, Mike Brasso. Yep. Switch them up. Throw Yandy over there for a day. He'll party. Sure. San Francisco. Don't sleep on Trev's Longoria and Listella combination. Don't sleep on that. Uh, in Milwaukee, we're trying to talk ourselves into Shaw. We'll see what he's got this year. And they've got the young guy, Urias, who came over. So they're hoping to find a solution at third base. Detroit, I know you're looking for love right now. Heimer Candelario, he racked up two war in 52 games last year. He's a switch-hitting young third baseman. Um, we'll see if he can do it, but Detroit likes that guy. So you should like that guy. Guys, we're down to three teams with three base situations that you're like, eh? Trev's Texas Rangers. Roughned Odor is moving over to third. We'll see what he's got. Kiner Falefa, he's moving over to shortstop. He won the gold glove at third last year, so they didn't mind third base last year. But they're kind of just throwing Odor there and Trev's most hated franchise, so we're down on them. Colorado Rockies, they're putting Ryan McMahon. They traded Arenado. Uh, McMahon's got a 20-plus homer season in the bag. He's going to be locked in at third base for a year. The Rockies don't hate him. They want to see what he's got for a year at third base. He's not going to be Arenado. I'm sorry. And the other team that really doesn't have the three impact 3B you'd like to see is Ruiz with the Baltimore Orioles. Uh, they do have Ryan Mountcastle, who played some shortstop in the minors, and they experimented with third, and that dude can hit. So I'm I'm low-key rooting for them to give him a shot at third base. Uh, right now, they don't have him penciled there. But guys, going through the league, you've got 23, slash if you add the platoon situations, like 25 third base situations you should like. Your team is into, and I, I don't know. I was just blown away going through the list. I think I left out Hunter Dozier on Kansas City. He was supposed to be in the Brian Anderson tier. He just got the bag himself. Like, they really like him. So I've just been blown away uh, looking at the third baseman. Top-tier talent and depth. It's it's almost unbelievable. Very good. You crushed that, bro. Thank you. Crushed it. Thank you. Oh, and, the, yeah, the O's just signed Michael Franco. So... Um, and I don't know. I I wouldn't put him in probably that Dozier Anderson tier, but dudes hit hit a little bit, and he's around. So, Trev, Trev, I got, I got it. I mean, I loved everything you just said. Thank you. You mentioned everyone I need you to mention. I think the first thing that maybe I disagree with is I think there's another guy you need to put in that elite tier, and that's Josh Donaldson. I love he's, love me, Josh. Glove, bat, everything that he brings to the table. We'll talk about his – his um, God, I can't think of the word I'm trying to say. Penis? His impact on clubhouse culture. Okay. You can't understate that. But, yes, I mean – Hard to is, hard to take it, that into, like, positional lists. I, I appreciate that a lot, and that's actually the next – We're just talking <laughs> yeah. about tiers and where he belongs. I think that 
you have to add that with a guy like Josh because he's such a wealth of knowledge on the offensive side. He just, he's been around for a long time. Glad you mentioned Longoria. I didn't think you were going to. Oh, Trev, come on. He's like he's like the guy that he's your favorite player's favorite player. All these third basemen, <laughs> they look at Longoria. He's had the sustained success. He's had he he's got everything you want. Three gold gloves. He's a guy. But I do agree. I mean, yes, if we're talking deepest talent uh pool position in the big leagues it's probably it's probably third base and i think there's a reason for that and i think that you know if you get these short stops that you know can play short and they're good enough to play short defensively but then they get a little big they can move them over to third and i think that has to position out a lot it does not work the other way besides with kiner falefa he went from third to short um, he's been all over it doesn't work that way so I think that's they get a little bit of that extra like a runoff from the shortstop position, which helps a lot when you're talking about depth. But yeah, this is a, an exciting group of players, and it's been that way, you know, since around like 2010. It started to come that way, and it's just sustained uh, with guys that came up. Like you know, we had Arenado; he's been around for a long time. Then then here comes Chapman, and Turner's been doing it for a long time, and. I mean, Chris Bryant, I think he should also be in the elite tier. And I know that, you know, it hasn't been that last year. But 2019, I'm pretty sure it was pretty damn good for Chris Bryant. It was good. It was good. Do you want to hear some offensive stats between all of them? Like, I I did the last 18, 19, and then the shortened season 20. I feel like you go beyond that, you're really pulling out. Like, no one cares about your 2017 anymore, I, I don't think. So I, that's the most three recent seasons in 2020. I usually would just do the last two, but 2020 is so weird. I'm including 18 as well. You got 15, you got 16 guys that have had an OPS plus above 100, so above average hitters. But I think that's very normal because you're not going to run out of third baseman that can't hit. It's not catcher or shortstop or center field where you'll run out a guy day in, day out that cannot be an above average bat. What's crazy is the glove that a lot of those top guys have. Like, so over the last three years, who would you guess has the highest OPS plus or OPS? Bregman, Arenado. Yeah, Bregman's Bre- number yeah. one. He's got a 153 OPS plus, and then it's Rendon. Um, he has a 147, and then Turner mm-hmm. with a 139. And you don't think of Justin Turner. But he's the third highest in OPS plus over the last three years at third base. And man, people then yeah. it's Jose Ramirez, then it's Manny Machado, then it's Matt Chapman, then it's Ah Eugenio Suarez, then it's Gio Urshela. Josh Donaldson goes down to ten. Ar- uh, Arenado goes down to eleven. This is OPS plus. Yeah. 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 Pretty, pretty well, wild. I just Donaldson want only played. Donaldson only played 52 games in yeah, yeah, yeah. Hurt in 2018, so that hurts him. Yes. Because 2019, him. he had a 900 OPS, 126 OPS plus, and then last year, 131. And I, I, yeah, so he, there's caveats for, for a lot of guys. I mean, Chris Bryant drops really far down. Uh, Devers on this list is 13th, which Boston fans will probably freak out. But there's a lot of and different things Jim, about that. Jim, the only other thing I'd say about Arenado there is the OPS plus does take in ballpark factors. Yep. There you um, go. So it's it, I'm not I'm not I wasn't presenting that. this to downplay no. anyone. I was just no. presenting it to say how good third to heighten your thing, like to have half the league third base 
are really good and the top 10 are really good is Jake's point. So what's your, what are you countering, Trev? I, well, I guess my thing I, I don't wanna, have any counter. What do you mean? What counter? I you guess guys said you've been bickering about my, this. My thing, well, we've been bickering about a few of the guys. and I, Well, I, he put Gio Rochelle as the ninth best third baseman in the game right now and left Chris Bryant off the list. So that's, I bickered with that. I had some nice conversations with Cubs fans and they, you know, it's very much. KB needs to prove he's still KB this year, and there's a very good That's chance he such can. such recency bias. It's freaking ridiculous. No, Trev, the dude. other part you're One missing. One season in 2020, you, you, get Trevor, out of here. Trevor, Trevor. Did, didn't we just do the last three seasons? This ties back into the conversation of the past three seasons, and you're underestimating what Gio Urshela has done offensively as well. Um, Where's Gio Urshela on that list the last three seasons? He was six. He was six. He was so that's like the where? whole point. So in the last three seasons, Gio Urshela has a 305 batting average. Chris Bryant has a 269. Gio Urshela has a 353 on base batting average. Chris Bryant has a 368. Uh, so he so Bryant's beating Urshela in on base percentage. Gio Urshela is beating Bryant in slugging, beating him in OPS, and beating him in OPS plus. Um. And he's better at defense. I, yeah, I mean, you know. He, I get what you're saying. Chris Bryant has an MVP in the bag, and I hope he busts that out this season. But, dude, Urshela, Over the last three years, Gio Urshela has a 305 batting average with an 863 OPS. He's been really, really good. I'm not seeing Gio Urshela on my Fangrass page. I have the third baseman listed. Is he not listed as a third baseman? Is that what it is? I don't know. No, he, I'm not he sure is. what you're looking at. Um. But I that, that I would say Chris Bryant probably has a higher ceiling, but he's been he hasn't been coming close to his ceiling last. He's him and Geo hitting wise have and almost Gio's been, been even. like on the roof, like he's been on top of his ceiling. Yeah, almost. We don't. He's catching we, birds. We didn't know he had that ceiling. So yeah. <laughs> I have Gio Urshela the last three years as a one twenty eight weighted runs created plus. I like that one a little bit better. Um, and then where's Chris Bryant? Chris Bryant is. 125. So you were right. He's right there, there together. I just give the the total body of work more credit than I understand. I, I, I understand. And it, that's where we're not saying stuff that's too different. But I mean, I, I think Chris Bryant, uh, defensively, you'd rather have Gio at third. Um, I, I hope Chris Bryant proves me wrong, too, because he's in a contract here. But it's, it's just the point, man, that like, it Devers, Suarez, Urshela, Chris Bryant, those guys can be left off a top 10 where if you look at other positions, and I think this is what I want to kick back to you, Trev, is I get the third base thing. Like you're saying, a lot of shortstops, they start there, they push off. Third base is kind of the natural progression. You either lean to third or second. Some guys kick out to center field, whatever. First base has for years seemingly been the position that you know, it was kind of the old Little League stereotype. You'd put the big hit who can hit over there. For years, it was almost the Major League stereotype that, like, well, he, he's not doing it anywhere else. Can we try him at first base? First base, when I was doing the top ten list, you start getting towards the bottom of that list, and guys who are fighting for the ten spot are uh, Carlos Santana, who I put there, and I love. I mean, he's an on-base specialist later in his career at this point, and he's had an awesome career. Um, Jesus Aguilar, Josh Bell, which I know those guys have seasons in the tank and potential going forward, but I, I think the juxtaposition between third base and first base, uh, first base doesn't have that excitement right now. It doesn't have nearly uh, the depth of third base, and that's that's kind of confusing to me because that, that in the back of every baseball fan's head is the 
let's try him over their position. Kind of the final try him over their position. Yeah, you know, I think it's more of like an older position too because you want to get – if you have a guy that can move around still and still play some defense, you want to maximize his value. And you're seeing some guys come up as first baseman, but a lot of guys don't come up as first baseman. They end up moving there. So, mm. you know, as they move there, they, they, they tend to be a little bit older. Uh, if you have a guy that can pick it, you're not necessarily going to come at first base. You try him at third base or in the outfield or something. I think first base is the last position defensively that you're focusing on. So you can stick, like you're saying, kind of the little league thing. You can stick a guy over there, hide him over there better than any other position in the field. Who are some of the best first basemen? Uh, like Freeman, okay. Freeman's number one. No, I was thinking all time, but I went to Freeman anyway. Oh, all time. Well, I wanted to see... Pujols. Like, Pujols, Freddie, like, did they... When did they switch to first base only? Like, Teixeira started out as a third baseman and outfielder. And Same then he became it. a premier. And he came up as a first baseman. So he Albert did it. Albert started at third. Um, yeah, Freddie was first base from at seventeen years old. He was playing first base. He played a he played a handful of games at third. So Freddie was first base through and through. I was trying to think of like really yeah. good defensive very first baseman. Do that. Yeah. I, I, no, Trev. That that's an interesting point because kind of what you were saying about third base is that there are guys that are third baseman. They come up, they play third base, and then they kind of get the shortstop boost. First base is <laughs> is the final destination for some guys. Uh, I mean, look at Vladito. Like, next next year's top ten first baseman list, I would not be shocked if Vladito's there. Um, but for this year, it was kind of tough to put him on because, I, A, he's still got a lot to prove hitting-wise, and defensively it's going to be his first year over there. So, um, yeah, I mean, you know, I, I think people would be shocked if you go through the top – if you did top 20 first baseman versus top 20 third baseman, I think people would be shocked, um, you know, how quickly you start running into guys like Brandon Belt. And these aren't shots fired or anything. Brandon Belt's a very nice ball player. But, again, yeah. we're, we're talking about these third basemen who are game-changing, game you know, kind of future of franchise potentially type guys. Yeah, I think just I think the whole defensive thing that's the last position you value. So, they're they're not going to get a lot of value out of their defensive war. I think that has something to do with it. And it is kind of a spot where it's weird to say this because there are so many responsibilities as a first baseman. And it's not an easy position to play, but it's the easiest one to learn if you've never played it. Like, if you've never played outfield, they just throw you in the outfield. It's very hard. Some guys can do it because they're still athletes. You know, if they throw you at second base or shortstop, that's not going to work. But if you they throw you at first base and you've played the other positions before, you can learn first base pretty quickly and be adequate, whereas the other positions is just that doesn't happen. And I would say third base is probably the second one where defense doesn't matter. But we've had such an influx of talented dudes – and I have another thought on that. Okay. I think most of these guys could be shortstops, but the way people lift now and the way they want you to look and and hit for power, they just you just lift yourself off of the shortstop position. You're too big. Got to be wider. Because eventually, we're going to see a Fernando Tatis Jr. move over to third base. Oh, he got 14 he years to do, do it. That, that, that Machado guy going to be hanging around with him too. <laughs> That's true. 
But I don't think Machado's there for 14 years. <laughs> yeah, also true. Yeah, it's, no. yeah. First base is really important too. Like we can't dismiss that because if you have a good first baseman, wow, like what yeah. a difference it makes. A lot of people will cite that when you talk about Matt, Matt Chapman. They'll say he's got Matt Olson over there picking his all of his throws. Yeah, and that big old body, that big old target. You know, Hosmer gets he wins Gold Gloves. The uh, analytics are kind of weird with him defensively, but is a huge target, dude. And that the confidence that gives people on the left side of the infield to throw the ball over there is huge. Trev, I I love you bringing up the power because I I didn't really think about that because you're you're so right. I mean, Matt Chapman, Arenado, if they if they weren't focused on being power hitters at the plate, those guys would be fantastic shortstops if they wanted to be. Yeah. Like there's nothing stopping them. So that's that's a really interesting angle. Huh. 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 That's what she said. It's nice to have a good third baseman. The Yankees didn't have a good third baseman for a long time after A-Rod retired. And we got the opposite of spoiled, even though the Yankees fans are always spoiled, blah, 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 blah. And then and then Geo came, which is partly why our hearts are just so big because you guys I, love him. He's been good. It was like it was been like good. Young Jervis, Sarlarte, Chase Headley, Andujar had the worst defensive season the third baseman's had in the history of the sport. It was bad. And I will I will point out that if we're talking about war, mm. that Jason from 2018 Nicks. through 2020, Chris Bryant has uh, about three more wins. He has exactly three more wins than. Gio Urshela. That's including twenty. Yeah, I mean, I, I mean, that's it's very. I, you're, There's Chris, an argument Chris, there. Chris Bryant's better than Gio Urshela, like, but in, according to the recent two years, Gio Urshela's name is up there. I mean, Gio, Gio, three years ago, which we included in this, didn't like was a minor league baseball player. The Yankees picked him up for twenty grand, Trev. Do you know that? No, that's great. I know he was. I mean, he wasn't even getting any shine in Cleveland. 20 grand. Well, he couldn't hit. I went out to the club with Gio before. You did? I did. Him and Jason Kipnis, we went to the club. The crew. Wow. You, Kip, and Gio. Even the last two seasons, last two seasons, Brian's at 5.3, Gio's at 4.7. Yeah. So there, look. I'm just saying. I would take Brian. I, I get why you did. Or should, you, I, you, everyone should take Brian. I, you very well could be right. I don't necessarily agree with that. I think that's backing off too much. But Gio, I, the Geo side Gio could also better be looking very than Chris right. Bryant. That's a hot take. Geo's very cute. He's Give Geo or Shella Chris Bryant's eyes, and you're got a oh team. That's scary. He's it's pregnant. No, I don't know. I'm scared. His eyes are too, they're too much. They're too much. Too piercing. Yeah. Jimmy's a leader. I, in I the love the discussion. Community. You know, so I love the third base position. So this is nice to go ahead and give some boys some shine. I mean, look, we go back just a few years. Mike Musakis was putting on a clinic over there. We talked about Longo already. Um, Donaldson and Arenado. Turner is like the sneaky guy. Like we know he's good, but then when you really look at the numbers, like holy shit, Justin yeah. Turner, no, you've been, been doing it, man. It's been weird. J, uh, Trev, you're you pointing out the bounce pass from third base. You like opened up a key to my brain that I love now. You know when someone points something out in a movie and then every time you catch it, you're like, aha, that's that thing. Like in movies, they take all the headrests off the driver's seat. Seat. At the driver's seat. They take the headrest off the back. If you've never noticed that before, now you'll notice it every time you see it and you're like, oh my God, that's weird. 
And they take Never the rearview mirror off because the camera films from the back seat and they can't have the reflection of the mirror. So now you won't ever be able to not see those. Or like the FedEx truck has an arrow pointing to the front of the truck in between the E and the X or the D and the whatever it is. You got it. You've done yeah. that with the bounce pass from third base. Every time I see it, I, I like go like, ha ha <laughs> The bounce pass Trev told me about. Give him a chance. Yeah. Very much. And go. Turner does it so softly. And, like, so on purpose, it's not a spike throw. It's, like, very much a planned bounce pass. Yeah. Long hop. That's all you got to worry about. Get him a long hop. First baseman, love it. Yeah. I like it. Anyway. Long hop. We're going to move on to Trevor's topic, which is weed-related. So, Cushy Dreams is sponsoring Mm. it. They're not even weed, though. They're just CBD. But smells like weed, feels like weed, tastes like like weed. weed. But it's just CBD. It's smokable CBD helps you with your anxiety, your depression, pain relief, fighting inflammation, and more. We've got a bunch around the office. we got a lot of people here that like it. We've got a lot of people that have bought it using your code and let us know, hey, I like it, that stuff. So go pick yourself up some Cushy Dreams. It's K-U-S-H-Y. Use promo code BASEBALL for 20% off your next order. Smoke your CBD with promo code BASEBALL for 20% off today. It's K-U-S-H-Y. Chill out, relax. The flower looks, smells, tastes like high-quality marijuana. Mm. And every run is a limited small batch. So enjoy that. Mm. Trev, Mm. you want to talk about how much you love pitchers? I do. I do want to talk Mm. about it. And it's going to be short because I don't love them that much. You guys Mm. know that. But okay, so for my topic, I want to talk about tech. I want to talk about a little bit of pitching ninja and the effect that he's had on the game. And then I want to talk about a dream I had. Here we go. I think I'll start out with a dream. And this is true. I really had this dream. Okay. Okay. In my dream, I was still a baseball player. Mm. So you know it's a dream. Okay. And... I guess because we've been talking about this tech and how it usually just benefits pitchers. I started um, using this VR, these VR goggles that showed pitchers giving it bats. And I also read an article that I guess two, I forget who the players were, but they mentioned that they were using this VR thing now uh, prior to their bats and they both hit homers. Mm. So it started to get me thinking. I had this dream that I was using it and it worked. That's the dream. So that's cool. But then it started to get me thinking. All the tech helps pitchers. Pitching Ninja's got all those guys showing grips for all the different uh, pitches. I mean, you Darvish is just giving away a wealth of knowledge, how he throws every single pitch, how his thumb placement on the ball will dictate if it's 86 miles an hour, 88 miles an hour, 92 miles an hour. And every single guy is out there now trying to throw these nasty pitches. So the rich get richer. But... But I'm I from this dream I started to think about how can hitters counter counter this. If this VR thing gets up where you can feel like you're having real at bats against pitchers, that three the third time through the order thing, that might start coming around first time through the order. If you could le- legitimately have at bats against the pitcher where it simulated and it felt real. The amount that hel- that that helps you going into an at bat is astronomical. 
This could be the thing. If they get this right, this could be the thing that turns the tide where pitchers aren't just absolutely dominating hitters the way they have been. Because we know all the numbers. First time through the order, pitcher, big advantage. Second time through the order, pitchers still have the advantage. Not as big, but still pretty big. Third time through the order, it gets even or the hitters have the advantage. If a hitter has the ability to go and take at bats virtually against these guys and then go up there and face them in real life, already having that muscle memory and the vision, it could absolutely change the game. So I was off the VR uh, because I've tried some that aren't th- they weren't there yet. But then I had this dream and I'm thinking, it's coming. Like we're these VR sets are coming. What is that going to do to the game? I think it's going to revolutionize the way you prepare to face a pitcher. Because right now, you can't do anything. You watch video on him. You talk about what pitches he throws. And now everybody throws every pitch. So you, when you get these scouting reports, it's like he throws this, 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 this. And you're, you're sitting there as a hitter and you're like, well, fuck. What am I what am I supposed to do? Get, you know, give me the plan. What's the plan? But if you can go simulate these at bats and then go face them and it's real, I think that is that's that's a little key opening it up as Jimmy likes to say. How do you guys feel about that? Do you think it's enough? Well, who do we have on? Dahl was the first person that told us about that when we had him on and he said in Colorado they were they had the machines that simulated like the pitcher's breaks and stuff to help them on the road where they were like mm-hmm. kind of. Up. And then yeah, it was some tweet that the guy, the two guys, were the A's guys. They they faced the pitcher yeah, before him. A's guys, yes. I think it was A's guys. They faced the pitcher before in the VR, and then they both homered off of him. I forget what pitcher it was. Um, yeah, I don't know, man. I mean, it sounds cool. It sounds like one step into the wrong direction. If you just have like robot baseball, robot human baseball, yeah. But there's no, but there's just you know, as a hitter, you don't control any variables. You're up there and you're at the mercy of what he's going to throw you, what the umpire is going to call, all of that. But if there was a way to you know get some sort of advantage in that first at bat, I think this is it. And I'm curious how it'll be received if if you can just have VR goggles and sit in the on-deck circle, or you can go into your cage and do this right prior to your at-bat, it's going to help so much. And it almost makes me think like they're going to try to outlaw it. Yeah, what you're saying to me makes me want to... I'm I'm calling for position cards to be outlawed. I don't want guys wearing goggles on deck facing the pitcher. But, I mean, as a tool, it probably helps before the game. Well, they just take away batting practice and everyone just does... Everyone's just standing in a like socially distanced across the outfield with goggles on, taking their virtual BP. Is that the yeah. future of prepping? I, I don't think so. You still have to do it, but if you're able to see and, and see the flight of the ball, how much it's breaking, when it's breaking, get your cadence, all that stuff, which is impossible to do right now. Even if they have those machines that simulate the pitchers, it's still not the same. I can't wait for. I can't wait for. You know how Pitching Ninja has the flat ground app to help guys get discovered that are throwing really hard. I can't wait till this VR at bats oh, becomes like a video game that everyone can have in their home and like the best high score. We're in. Like you get like you get yeah. drafted now. 
Like, oh. I took Max Scherzer deep. I took 2017 Max Scherzer deep three times today. Like, I'm going to spend I spend every 10 hours a day just taking at bats. And after a year, I'm like, hey, I can guarantee you a single off Max Scherzer. Imagine, I know exactly what's going to happen. Yeah. Imagine the guitar hero effect going on here. And there's kids who said, like, they've. There's going to be a kid in Juneau, Alaska, who's never played a baseball game, but he's the best hitter ever. Um, ever. That sounds like a disaster. Um, Trev, I, I, the only thing, I, I want to bounce this back to you, and I, I'm not doing this in a rude way. You're the guy who played baseball. But the guys who had your number, because that's the question, because I've, I've realized like how good hitters are like that. When you actually think what it means to go through the order the third time and all these MLB hitters hit is insane that they can see a pitcher twice and say, okay, well now I'm going to rake like that's mm-hmm. nuts to me. Cause that's not how it works for us pedestrian MLB players. So I guess the question is the guys that had your number and I know Scherzer was one of them. You brought him up. Like I, I guess, is it just their pitch mix or like what, how would pitchers try to, have that effect and I I know that sounds dumb pitchers trying to be Max Scherzer but it's just like would this just make the elite more elite like there's no way you're just going to be able to hit them in real life I think it's like when you can't hit somebody or you just have horrible numbers usually it's because you're just not picking the ball up um you know your your recognition phase is shorter for some reason you don't see the ball out of his hand he maybe hides it or he just knows how to exploit you. But the more and more you see what he's trying to do with you, the more and more you face him. And if you got to, you had a way to get your timing down and then you like had enough at bats against the guy. That's the thing is like, if you could just take, like Jimmy said, if you could sit there for 10 hours, I mean, not 10 hours, but you sit there for a long time and just take a bat after a bat, after a bat, after a bat, you're going to be able to pick up his release point at some point. You're going to be able to, um, you know, lay off pitches that you're going to swing at because you're like, oh, that's that pitch. Oh, that's that pitch. Oh, okay. I think this is going to change the game in a positive way for hitters. Like, like I said, almost to a point where they're going to have to have some limitations on it. If it gets to as good as some of the guys are telling me that these things are getting, and it's only a matter of time, right? Pitchers will just have to like, you know, get there. A Zach Granke is immune to this because he changes his delivery and his timing so much. That that, that's going to be a thing. Like, yeah. that's pitchers are already doing that. You see what Stroman's doing. We see Granky yeah. doing the EFIS and stuff. But still, this if you you could randomize the delivery in something like this. There's so many things you could do. I think it's it's just. Can it's we get you? Can we get you this, Trev, and turn it into a content series? And then, like, I we can we can. I, like, I would love to. Yeah. Well, and then you know we'll have like your VR book. Like we'll clap. Well, see, like you come on the pod one day and you're like, a sponsor, a VR sponsor, I believe. I think it's the company that does all this stuff too. I don't say it, but I, I think it is. And then you have a, a VR book, you know, like you you come on the pod and you're like, I, Degrom's Boom. in my book, and we just clap for you now. <laughs> and then maybe we get it, maybe that. we get it over here, and we see like Jake and mine's bunt single book. I, I always thought that the like. Video game, you know, like you went to some really cool arcades or Dave and Buster's that had like the home run derby machine. Yeah. Like if you could really make that happen and like have people see like a, what it's like to face a major league pitcher, that would be, a, it would be awesome. 
And I think this is this is a way. I would love to see Jake get up there, put the goggles on, and face Degrom. I mean, I was ready this spring. I was ready for Flaherty. I want him. <laughs> I've got him. Put your hands dog. through. But the reason I started thinking about all of this Jeez, is yes. because is because of the amount of information being shared via Pitching Ninja. It's crazy to me how all these pitchers are now going on and showing their grips. And it's almost... It sounds weird, but I feel like it's not a good idea for them to be doing that. You don't want your hitters dominated by the pitch that you taught the other pitcher to throw. If you see that a lot, these grips, that's it's what it is. That's why pitchers are using tech now and they're using the edutronic cameras. They're changing their grip, you know, centimeters, millimeters at a time until they get what they want. They're creating pitches. And now if you don't even have to go through that process and you're like, oh, you Darvish just showed how where he puts his fingers on the baseball and he explained the feel that he had uh, at release and you just go and try it. And all of a sudden now you're throwing, you got six or seven pitches now that you're trying to establish and maybe one or two of them you figure out, well, you just added two different pitches to your repertoire and here we are. Yeah. And hitters cannot. They're going to hate our coffee table book. Yeah. I, we Your can't say table it. book? Can't say yeah, it. we can't say it. So. Trev, the, the, the story that's of Yankee lore is that Mariano Rivera taught Doc Holliday his cutter at an all-star game, and all the mm-hmm. Yankee hitters were that. pissed at him. Yeah, that's what I'm yeah. saying. And, and that's, that's I, just becoming normal life. Like, it almost used to be a baseball code. You don't share that outside of the team. And now, <laughs> Pitch Ninja, you know, you can see Stroman's pitch mix in one video. And we, and it's, it's, it's interesting because we as hitters have things on pitchers. I'm releasing a sequence today that is by far my favorite episode I've ever released. So go check that out. Uh-huh. And it's about the tell that I had on Jordan Hicks. Now, I could have kept, I mean, I did. I kept it. I told one team that. I told the team that I was on that. But, if I was a pitcher and I figured something out, I'm going on and sharing it. Pit- hitters don't do that. We don't share that information with everybody. Maybe some mechanical stuff, whatever, whatever. But that does, that's not really going to give you an advantage. In well, the it's box. because like something, y- y- the pitcher, if they find out it's being talked about publicly, they can make they the adjustment. It. it needs to be secret. The pitching grips don't need to be a secret. Um, they should be a secret. Because hitters can't hone in on the fingers unless they see the knuckle sticking up at second base or something. Do you think Guillermo had a Hicks? Do you think Hicks was Hicks was tipping in his first his first time back uh, pitching again? That's why uh, Guillermo. No, he didn't. So that's go watch the video. I okay. talked about. All that. right, all right. Yeah, because, because I eventually told uh, Jack that he was doing it. I didn't want him to blow any of Jack's save uh, wins, so uh, I told him he definitely fixed it. But I, it's a great episode, so go check that out. It's just interesting, like, sh- who's sharing the information, what is being shared. The whole pitch grip thing that Pitching Ninja is doing is it's insane. Jojo Romero, pitcher for the um, the Phillies, has a new slider that he learned from watching Pitching Ninja videos, and it's disgusting. And it could change his career. It could freaking change a guy's career if they figure out a pitch. Like, oh, shit, this really works for me. Gibby. I don't think he learned his on Pitching Ninja, but he learned it from somewhere. Learned his cutter from somewhere. And he's saying, dude, I feel like I'm going to dominate. 
Well, I mean, so. I, I I like that. That's cool. And and Strowman said like his grips are so weird because his fingers and his natural release of his wrist is different than a lot of guys. Sure. He said like Strowman was cool. He said like you know however the normal person holds the ball, he turns his fingers completely diagonal from that. Like every pitch weird. Something with his wrist. I I, I saw him talking. The one about. the guys that weird me out is when they throw their slider and their fastball with the same exact grip. They mm-hmm. just they just pressure points different and like little releases different. I'm like, what? It's nuts. That's crazy. Deception. The fact that you can practice all those and really dial them in now with like great accuracy, like even to the point where you're trying to match the spin axis and the RPMs, that's the difference maker. Yeah. Someone could show you a pitch and be like, oh yeah, throw it like this. Unless you have the info on it and the data and and an ability to in real time, get their results like they do now, you wouldn't be able to shape your pitches that quickly. Now it's like, it could happen in one bullpen session. It and it's depends. scary for hitters, man. We already control nothing, no variables. That's why we're the real we're the real deal. Hitters, that's the position for, I want to say men, but I can't say it in 2021. That's the position for real deal guys. Pitchers, you guys are all sissies. Wow. There it is. Well, I just reached out to our director. Had to win too much. I just reached out to our director of sales. I asked, "Are we in touch with this company?" She said, "Yes." She said, "They they're buying some ads certain places." I said, "We can make a series where we all use it." She said, "They don't have it out for like fun right now. It's like for actually, yeah. it's like for baseball players Real. trying to like use it." Yeah. And I said, "We can make a series where Trev is trying to get back into MLB by using it." <laughs> And she said, oh, that's cool. So now <laughs> you're making your return to MLB. <laughs> uh, I'm going to be a 50-50 guy. I'm going to work with Donaldson over, yeah. uh, over FaceTime. Yeah. No more 70-30. Fucking what an idiot I, I was. love you being – I love you. When If Coach Trev ever graduates, I just want you to be, like, the voice of hitters. Like, I want you there's, to – You can't be. I was thinking about that. <laughs> Who's going to be the pitching ninja for hitters? You just, there's nobody. Josh Donaldson has the most knowledge, probably. He's like the face of the swing revolution, and he can't help guys out that much. Maybe you're the face, and he kind of monitors, and whenever he jumps in, he kind of alphas you like he did when he changed your whole career path. Yeah. Hey, BBD, what what time are we at? Are we in an hour? 53. Okay, we can do a real quick 10-minute conversation of what I wanted to talk about, Trev. I wanted to talk about the White Sox because Giolito was on Chris Rowe's rotation today, yeah. and he was talking about uh, TLR, which is the cool new way to type out Tony Larusa. Everyone's doing, mm. and he was saying he was awesome, and that like you know, yeah. it's all like he talked about his first phone call with them. I won't spoil a lot of it. Go listen to Chris Rowe's rotation for it. But he talked about how the clubhouse culture is great, and the clubhouse culture in the White Sox has known in the last like five years to not be great. You had Chris Sale cutting up jerseys. You had uh, Adam. Uh, LaRoche quitting because his son wasn't allowed in the locker room. You had uh, Ozzie Guillen say that nobody liked Adam Eaton, and Todd Frazier said (laughs) no one liked Adam Eaton, and now Adam Eaton's back in the White Sox. And I was just thinking about this clubhouse stuff, and um, I wanted to figure out who wrote the article because um, I want to give them a shout-out. But there was an article on The Athletic written about Drake LaRoche and that whole White Sox stuff from um, five years ago. Hold on, I have the author's name up here. Dan Hayes. Dan Hayes wrote it. And so one, I wanted to, I was just kind of reliving that. So I first I want to talk about the White Sox, and I want to just talk about clubhouse culture in general. And 
If you want to read that athletic story about Drake and Adam LaRoche, it's it's really weird and interesting, and you don't know whose side I'm on, but like all the players refused to take the field for a spring training game when LaRoche quit. Um, and what it boils down to, LaRoche, when he signed with, signed with the White Sox, he said, my son, This he told the White Sox, this is a two-player deal. You get me and my son, who was 14 at the time. And then he said his son uh, caught fly balls. He caught balls for the batting practice hitter. He cleaned cleats and shined shoes like he worked. He was part of – he wasn't just hanging around playing on his Game Boy in a clubhouse, blah, blah. So then after the first year, um, the GM – what's his name? Kenny – Kenny Williams? Williams. Kenny Williams. Said, like, can we dial this back a little bit? Like, can he, can he not be here 100% of the time? Because apparently he had complaints from some other players on the team – they asked LaRoche, like, if they could dial it back. He said, no, I quit. And he retired on the spot. He left $13 million on the table and left. Then the players almost boycotted a game because they were so mad at Williams for doing that. And, like, how did you not work out a deal? How did you not figure this out? The players that went to Williams never spoke up because they were, like, in the minority. And then – but, like, Adam LaRoche was like, no job allows you to bring your kid 100% of the time. So I fully understand that. But it wasn't the deal I signed with them, so I left. Blah, blah. Trev, clubhouse culture. What's a good clubhouse culture? What's a bad? That's kind of easy. My other question is, how many people are around the clubhouse that make the clubhouse different? Um, Be it kids, be it wives, be it girlfriends, be it reporters, be it Other. other people. And how often is the clubhouse closed and just the guys? And how much does the mood swing? between those two types of environments? That's a lot of questions. Right I know, there. I know, but I was just throwing it all <laughs> out there. Just talk to me about clubhouse culture and all that. I'll talk about Drake and his kid first, I feel like. And I've heard from a lot of people that Kenny Williams is kind of the problem. Like mm. kind of an ego, kind of wants it to be his way or the highway thing. I don't even know what his official title is anymore, but I don't think he's a GM. He might be president of the White Sox. One of those made-up roles that... Yeah, well, yeah, you have to like continue to improve your title so teams can't interview right. you or something like that, whatever it is. I believe his uh, official but, title is executive vice president. EVP. EVP. Okay. Yeah, you know, I'm, I'm, I don't, I wasn't there obviously, but I've had many uh, sons and friends in the clubhouse, and it doesn't bother me whatsoever. I do like the fact that you said that Drake the son of Adam LaRoche was not just sitting around messing around, eating the spread. He was cleaning cleats, helping the clubhouse guys, because that's, that's what the good kids do. Like Eddie Gordado used to bring his kids in all the time. And I love them. They're awesome, but they would go to work. And he told him, he said, you are not going to just be here. Like get your ass to work. And so that's cool to see, to hear that. Um, but yeah, the whole, Ask him to dial it back. In my mind, what happened was a couple guys maybe mentioned it in in passing to Kenny Williams, and he just like ran with it because he didn't like it. Um, but that that was a weird situation. I don't think that affects clubhouse culture. In fact, I think it's probably good for clubhouse culture because there's a couple of things you need to do to have a good clubhouse. You got to be able to forget about. Um, you're pointing to me, Jake. No, I was saying number that's one. that's rule number one. You're about to say it. Yes, you, you have to have a short memory. Like good clubhouse cultures have a short memory. Win or lose, you forget about the day before and it's back to work the following day. That's a Tory Hunter thing. That's what 
most good leaders will tell you in baseball, just because there are so many games, you don't want to get the classic saying is don't get too high don't get too low. So I think that's a big part of it. You don't want, you don't want sulking too much. And you also don't want like extended, like I'm feeling myself, I'm feeling myself, I'm feeling myself. You want to have the confidence, but get to work every single day. So I think that's, to me, the biggest like culture drainer are the guys that sulk and are like, woe is me and will sit and just sulk. And, and look, everybody goes through it because it's such a long season and because there are, is so much failure on the offensive side, you're going to feel sorry for yourself, but you got to try to hide it. You got to try to wait till you get home. You got to wait till no one's around. Like don't bring that into the clubhouse. That's my that's the biggest thing for me is what makes a good clubhouse culture. And then it's and then it's staying loose. Like you got to have a guy. So you got to have a guy like Eduardo Escobar or Tory Hunter, a guy that shows up positive every single day. And that is one of the most difficult roles to have as a big leaguer, showing up and just like smiling and making sure the atmosphere is light. And sometimes that role passes from person to person. If Tory Hunter, which he never was off, but if he was off one day and like wasn't going to be that guy, like I think there'd be enough sense where somebody would feel that and take that role up for that day. Tory was one of the unicorns that was always in a good mood, always cheering people up. But for the mere mortals, you always got to have someone that can take that role from you if you if you are feeling bad. You have to have someone that keeps it light. I think. There's a famous quote about Nick Swisher and Derek Jeter. Didn't didn't Swisher say like we gotta have fun to win? And Jeter says we gotta win to have fun. Is that you guys know that? I could see that. I could see that sounds like both of those guys. <laughs> right? Perfectly. <laughs> yeah. But that so they're they're I like also the know that Nick Yankees Swisher team. a lot of people in the Yankees Club felt he was too on. Could like, be too much, like one hundred percent. So there's the fine line there that you have to te- the teeter. You can't just be like, dude, are you not taking this serious? Are you not being professional? So it's it. There's a lot of nuances uh, that that go on in in the clubhouse. But like I said, the main thing I think is the main thing that I think makes a good clubhouse is short memories and then just like putting the work in and trying to keep it as light as possible. Archie, throughout the season, the regular season. Archie Bradley was on the Chris Rose show as well. He said that something Martin Prado taught him that he loved, that Prado did, was he said hi to everyone when he walked in the clubhouse. Mm-hmm. Like, did a circle and said hi to everyone by name. And you just felt like, oh, shit. Like, thanks, Prado. And then Archie mm-hmm. was like, I'm on a new team now, and I'm really trying to do that with, like, the security guard. He's like, I go up to every scrub. Like, what's your name again? And all that. Were, were, were you – I mean, that seems like exactly who you are. Because we went to every spring training and you knew every groundskeeper and every social media intern at every team we went to. So is that kind of who yeah, you I were like in the stuff. clubhouse? They and, and those guys are very important too. The clubhouse managers, the clubbies, um, the traveling secretary, uh, the PR guy, they keep everything moving. They take everything off your plate. And I think that's important too. If you have someone that's kind of shitty, not doing his job, that's going to affect the clubhouse culture as well. How often is the clubhouse just the players? After BP, after BP, before the game, it's going to be just players. I mean, you're going to have the clubhouse guys and all those guys that work for the team. They'll be in there, but they try to stay out. I would say after BP, uh, up until game time, that's the most closed off the clubhouse is going to be. And is that like a different vibe? Is that like um, like, a, like if you watch a sports movie, like more like everyone's kind of like getting focused, quieter, or is it? Yeah. 
it's whatever you need to do to get ready. So the music will be playing, but a lot of guys now have their headphones in and whatever you need to get ready for the game, that's when you you do you. What it's kind of guy were you? Um, I had I play it like my senior year of high school. We had a hockey team, and there was a group of guys that they needed to be angry to play. So they would play like this head smashing music, and it just would piss me off. And I would need like a ch- a children's like nursery rhyme stuck in my head, like la di da di da light. <laughs> That's when I played better. Like, I did not play good, angry. And it always was like a battle for, like, like I don't want to listen to this, guys. You guys are just making me mad. Yeah. I was, like, I had a routine. So, like, an hour before the game, get in the hot tub, uh, get loose. Then I get a shower. Then you get changed. You start the stretch. You go in the cage and do all that. That was my routine. Headphones in, listen to good music, whatever got you pumped up. Uh, I think that's kind of similar to what most guys have. And going back to culture, and it's probably my last point on it, I guess, it's that veterans matter big time. And it's hard to quantify it, and there's no data for that, so it gets overlooked in today's game. But it's so hard, and there's so many things going on. Like You need the veterans that have been there to help the young guys when they're going through a Oford six game stretch you got to have a guy to talk him off the ledge i've been there this is what's going on this is what you got to do because it can snowball like that for the young guys and you know i was thinking about like mike minor on the royals now like what's his role like these older pitchers that go to these teams you know felix hernandez going to baltimore a lot of the times it's just so the young guys can see these dudes work like how to be a professional pitcher put the work in the right way show up every day and do it the right way and it's almost like a player coach type thing it's it's a very very important role and it, what's funny is every single team that wins the world series is like man we are so close we are so close our team is so close and people always overlook the importance of that and yes i understand like winning makes everyone happy like that's really easy. It's easy to be a good guy when you're winning, but there's something to that full season, the body of work, keeping everybody uplifted, and you need the veterans to do that. You need them, hey, time for a breather. Go into the manager's office and say, we're not hitting BP today. We're not doing anything. We're, how about a show and go, Skip? Let's not show up to the park until 4 o'clock tomorrow. Like you need the guys to, that know how to do that. And managers need those guys too because managers don't, come in the clubhouse as much as people think most guys let the veterans run the clubhouse that's the player's spot uh, space and they rely on those guys to kind of set the tone so for the yankees i mean obviously brett gardner is probably the guy right yeah gardner and cc were the so guys booney relies on him for sure and a lot for a lot of those things yeah no i i remember uh, and i'd love to talk to some of the guys that were there but it, jim brought this to to light a couple years back uh, I think 2019 season like Trey Mancini was looked at as the leader of kind of the Orioles at that point and he was two like years in 27 had like two seasons yeah. and you wonder I'm looking at their roster now and you know Chris Davis has been around but that's also been its own thing and there was a couple vets Andrew Kashner you you just wonder what that environment is like because a lot of those guys are young and don't don't know what the next day has to offer in the in the veteran stuff you know, obviously is important, and they can't quantify it, and they'll they'll never be able to, and it'll drive people nuts. Um, I, I guess, Trev, I, I think something Jimmy was also trying to 
trying to allude to while also not putting anybody under the bus, but were were there ever like lingerers, man? Like were there was there was there any I know isn't it Nelson Cruz now has his like four buddies that are his posse or whatever and, yeah. and there is crew like were th- was there ever anyone who would just like roll through with his buddy like every couple games and be like come on man you can't just be bringing your dude around I mean you just have to respect the time if it's er- if it's early in the day like no one cares you know okay. if they're not acting a fool and stuff and usually like if you brought someone in there's a room off of the clubhouse adjacent to the clubhouse that they'll hang out in okay um, but it's for me, it was never a problem. We never had anybody that overstayed their welcome. Everybody brought people in. I had my cousins come in and go shag fly balls in the outfield before. And like, that's such a cool experience. Yeah. And I think most people realize that. And it's like, dude, it's one game. It's BP. Get the fuck out of the way of everybody else and we'll be okay. But, um, there was never a time where I felt like it was too much of people who weren't on the roster being in. Good. Cool. Good stuff. Clubhouse culture. Clubhouse culture. Who's who's our veteran clubhouse culture? We got to th- teach BBD the ropes, huh? Yeah, I think it's you. Uh, I guess I'm the I oldest. always look to Holy. you. Yeah. I look to Jim, so sorry, Jim. I'm the keep it light guy, and that's obvious. Yeah, you are the keep it light guy. You are that guy. Learned that from Jack Scavone. You guys know that. Why'd you just start? Why do you think? Me? Why do you think the Cardinals love Yachty so much and Wayno so much? Like, yeah, they still they yeah. still can play a ball, but all the famers they understand the importance of those guys shaping the clubhouse, teaching these guys how to play the game the right way, and eventually Jack's going to be that guy for them, and he's going to have learn from mm. me. Thank you, Jack. You better not forget <laughs> that. But Wayno and Yachty. I swore you were going to say Wayno. You would say Wayno and Yachty where you started this whole speech. And Jack's going to be doing that in pinstripes. So that's whatever. It's important. Clubhouse culture is so, so dang important, man. It's funny because every baseball player will tell you that. And then front office will be like, oh, it's not important. It's like, man, come on. Did you ever get asked about a trade? I feel like I've asked you this and we got to go because we're towards the end here. But like, um, were you ever Ooh. said like, hey, we're thinking about bringing this guy on? Do you know anything about him? Were you ever the source? Can't, can't, yeah. Yeah. Okay. A Did lot, you... actually. And I, um, there's a manager in the big leagues right now that texts me all the time about players. And so, I mean, you know, they, they, people who know, TLR. Like, especially managers that played, understand the importance of is this guy a good guy because we i mean like i've had bad guys does bad his name rhyme with laco lorelli <laughs> he has alex has cora he, he might not have asked me anything it's alex cora so. cora no it's obviously bob melvin aj hinch you're getting closer <laughs> <laughs> there's guys that i've hated in my clubhouse don't get me wrong but not enough where it caused anything. You ever seen like you ever seen full punches thrown brawl Ooh. in the clubhouse? Wrestling. Yeah, like yes, yes and no. Like I don't know about full punches, but but fight, yeah, wrestle, yeah, yeah. No one's full. It was good, and that's sometimes you need it. El Duque and, and was, Jorge it Posada was based would around fist sulking, fight. Jim. It was based around sulking. Oh, love it. Love yeah, fighting the Don't sulker. Don't bring everybody else down. Love fighting the sulker. Energy's yeah. a real thing. It is a real thing. 
El Duque and Jorge Posada used to get in like fist fights before games and then go out and, and <laughs> be, be the battery mates like on the mound. I like that. It's really funny. And now El Duque's son plays on the same college team as Joe Girardi's son. My God. Wow. My Phillies, Joe Girardi, my Phillies. They're both freshmen. All right, that's the show today. Thank you guys very much for tuning in. We'll be back next Tuesday. The schedule's about to change up as soon as yeah. the season starts. So we'll let you guys know. We'll keep you up, but we will be back, and, P- and TPPs will continue Baseball's as we go. going to be here soon. Two weeks on the nose. Two weeks on the nose. Jake's uh, yes. Trev's coming here for opening day. We'll be live. Do people know what we're doing? Do we we, no, we, we soft announced it. We soft announce it for all the podca- podcast listeners. They're like the secret club. So podcast oh, listeners, yeah. we uh, Trev's coming out here and we'll be live streaming companion watches uh, all day on opening day. And we have like a yes. lot of stuff going on around that to keep us entertained. It's kind of crazy. All right. Let's do it. We will see you later. Wrong one, Jimmy. Wrong music. Dumbass. There it is.